Working in hot weather can quickly turn dangerous. The EMT, after all this was over, he he made an effort to contact me and let me know that they thought that they had lost me. The heat is a silent hazard that can feel like it comes out of nowhere. It sweeps in quickly and can leave life-changing effects. I knew my daughter was talking to me. I knew what she was saying, but it was like my mind wasn't processing it fast enough. It, it hit like a ton of bricks. And it actually really scared me because it didn't feel like I was me any longer. On this episode of Connected, the AAP Employee Podcast. I told myself either I'm going to get over this or I'm going to quit. One employee's journey to come back after a near-death experience on the job. Okay, I'm David Whitman. I'm a distribution system supervisor in Wheeling, West Virginia. This story starts a little over a decade ago when David was a servicer at Appalachian Power. His nickname was Wheaties. No one could hold him down, and he was always on the move. And my job was to go out and shoot trouble, fix what I could fix, and then if I couldn't fix it, I was to pass it on to the line crews and do service work. Then he was hit by the heat and experienced a life-changing injury that showed him he wasn't Superman anymore. He was mortal. The day David almost died was in the middle of the summer. He'd been working trouble out in the heat all week. Uh, I think it was about 95 degrees that day, if I'm not mistaken. Hot days in the hills of West Virginia can hit different. AEP's territory out there has dense trees that cover rolling hills. It's the type of area where you don't get a lot of breezes. The humidity just hangs in the air, especially if you're working up at the tree canopy. Well, uh, what little bit I can remember of it, um, I had a case of trouble. I had had to clear vines off of a, a pole and a transformer and I got pretty hot on it. But... Uh, I got in my truck and I had another case of trouble I had to go on and I had plenty of time to cool down. Fixing cases of trouble can be a lot of physical work, especially if you have to climb a pole. Line mechanics have to wear equipment called climbers that strap around their calves and feet. There's a small shank that sits right about where the arch of the foot is. The line mechanics climb up the pole by digging the shank into the wood as they climb up the pole. When line mechanics climb a pole, they're normally taking their gear about 30 to 40 feet into the air. Then they have to hold themselves up there while they do the work. After finishing his first call of trouble, David's next case was to make connections on a pole. He'd figure out what was wrong with the line, skin the wires, and put them together with a conductor. That would energize the circuit. It's a job that can be done quickly if you don't have to cut branches and vines to get up there which is what David was doing for the second time that day. I had my handsaw, and I was cutting limbs up as I went up, and I got a little hot doing that. Uh, but when I got up there, I found out that I had more connections than what I previously figured on making, so I just made up all the connections on the pole. And uh, all of a sudden, I noticed that I got cold chills, and I was sweating. I just stopped sweating all of a sudden, too, and... I started seeing little stars in my eyes and got sick at my stomach, and I knew I was in trouble, and I knew I had to get down. Uh, then when I got down, it's sort of vague on what all I remember. The heat had hit David, and he didn't realize how bad he was. Somehow, I don't know how I made it to the truck and called the DDC, and I don't even remember doing that. Uh, 
This is the recording of David's call to the distribution dispatching center. Parts of the call are going to be difficult to understand. There are times when David starts to mumble. Is it you've overheated or your truck's overheated? This is when you can tell he's starting to lose consciousness. Chris at the distribution dispatching center called an ambulance and then got the customer on the phone. It was the quickest way to get to David and find out how bad he was. Uh, yes, sir. This is Chris. Is that watching power? Okay. Uh, did you see? Are you home right now? Yes. Okay. My servicer is out there right now. Uh, I think he's getting ready. He's uh, overheated and uh, he's yeah, having problems. Yeah, I talked to him. I took him about to eat and some something to drink. Now, he's uh, sitting down in his truck right now. We'll ask him if he wants something else. Okay. Uh, yeah, because he's pretty weak there. I, I mean, I can barely yeah. hear on the radio. I was trying to... Some flashbacks that I actually get is I remember the the customer's wife. I can remember seeing her run in front of the truck carrying ice. And I can remember... Uh, the customer, he was putting ice on my chest and stuff, and I asked him to put it up under my arms. I can remember that. Here, let me take it. I'll wipe him off with it. Cool him right down somewhere. Okay. Uh, his name's Dave. If you want to okay. try to keep him conscious there, keep talking to him there. Yeah. You don't okay. mind, sir. Well, you can't hear David's me. memory of what happened is patchy. Sometimes he feels like the details he's sharing are part of a dream or part of a story someone else has told him. I remember the ambulance. Uh, the one thing that does stand out in my mind is... Uh, the cramps, they was horrible. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like a leg cramp. It wasn't like a, a neck cramp or nothing. It was a full body cramp. And that's what brought me out of it. And then uh, when I got to the hospital, like I said, everything's real vague right now. And uh, I can remember certain people being there, but it's like a, it was in a dream. When it comes to what happened, David's sure about one thing. Someone was looking out for him that day. And the only thing that I can think of is God put me in that seat and put that radio in my hand because I firmly believe that if Chris at the DDC had not called that customer, I wouldn't be giving this interview. I don't know how long I sat there. I don't even know how I got there, you know, and that's scary. Uh, the EMT, I, he actually grew up in the hall that I was in, and uh, after all this was over, he, he made an effort to contact me and let me know that they thought that they had lost me. Uh, they couldn't get my blood pressure. David was discharged after a few days in the hospital, but he wasn't out of the woods. His body was still processing what had happened, and this brought new issues to light. I can remember being downstairs, and uh, my daughter come downstairs, and she was saying, Dad, are you okay? Uh, I knew what she was saying, but it was like my mind wasn't processing it fast enough, and I had to actually mindfully... Uh, think of an answer that I was going to give her back. Instead of an automatic retort, it was like uh, she would say, hey, Dad, are you feeling fine? A simple question. But it was a very difficult for me to answer. And uh, that's what scared me because I was afraid I was going to stay like that. And if I'm not mistaken, that Monday I went to work and they actually sent me back home because... I was in the safety meeting and I could hear them talking, but I had to process what was being said. I went to a, a neurologist and, and talked to him about it and 
And he said that uh, I was suffering from residual effects of what happened to me. But uh, it was a pretty scary event. It's nothing to play or nothing to play around with. And it wasn't just that uh, energy. I had zero. I mean, absolutely zero energy. During that time, David continued to work, often by himself. He says he was just embarrassed and didn't want people to know what he was going through. Uh, everything that I had to uh, go through, uh, from changing a, a cutout on a pole to starting a truck, I had to manually think about doing it. It's like the automatic settings on my mind was gone. And I told myself either I'm going to get over this or I'm going to quit. And uh, what really helped me get over it was the guys. Uh, and uh, we started a program called Insanity, and uh, the guys actually went through it with me. Uh, I had probably seven, eight, or nine guys, and we was all out there every day on the dock going through that, and they really helped me get through it. But its uh, I noticed that I still have some... Uh, I mean, they say that you don't have side effects from something like this, but I still see at certain times that uh, it hits me. It's sort of like a fear, like I'll, I'll be talking to you, and uh, it's just like I, I can't think of what I want to say sometimes. David had experienced small events in the past, but they really hadn't phased him. He could still work in the heat. This event changed how he did everything, how he worked and how he thought. I'm a whole lot more conscious of it uh, because after that happened, I still had to work out in the heat and stuff. But you notice that my production level went way down because I was a whole lot more conscious of what I was doing. Like if I was going to walk a line out and it's hot in the day, I'd put my cooling vest on and I'd take my time. And I would hit the shade a lot more. I was more conscious of it because prior to that, I wouldn't think twice about hitting the mountain and going through there and just doing my thing. But it made me a whole lot more aware of my body. Uh, I guess you could say that. I listened to it a whole lot more because before that I didn't. I, at that time, I had had a lot of stuff going on in my life and uh, my mind wasn't on me. It was on events outside of the company. And it snuck up on me. And, uh, well, I would say not so much snuck up on me. I ignored the signs. Even though injuries caused by the heat can feel like they come out of nowhere, they're easily preventable. That's why David is so willing to share his story. This was something serious that impacted me and my life and my family. Your family has to go through what you go through out here. If you go through a major event out here that's going to affect your life on long term or even short term, it comes down to a personal decision every day. You have individuals out here that's production-minded that says, okay, I'm gonna hit it and get back. Well, those people, I used to be one. Those people need to stop what they're doing when they get out of the vehicle. That person needs to pull their family into their decision-making and make a, a conscious effort to be aware of their environment, whether it be the temperature, rain, uh, aggressive dogs, anything. They need to stop and look around. They need to be more aware of their surroundings. And that's the only information or the only guidance that I could actually give people. Uh, because believe me, those listening to this do not want to go through that. They do not. And I was actually afraid that it wasn't, I wasn't going to pull out of that. 
when you leave out that door or before you leave out that door, be mindful of what you're doing. Number one, I want to come back home safe to my family and then make a plan and work the plan. And if the plan changes, stop, take your time and make a new plan. That's the way things gets done, in my opinion, safely. Because during that time, I was set on automatic and complacency and and outside forces uh, that was, I was just being bombarded at that time by a lot of different things and I wasn't worrying about myself at all. How are you gonna help any situation by becoming a victim yourself? You gotta take care of yourself first before you can help anyone else out. Heat is one of those things that can sneak up on you. You don't realize something's wrong until it's too late. Luckily, there are easy precautions you can take to prevent these types of injuries, whether you're working on a pole or out in your backyard. If you're working outside, start hydrating the day before and keep drinking water while you're in the heat. Take breaks in the shade, and if you need to, take a break somewhere where there's air conditioning. And watch what you wear. Light, loose-fitting clothing can make a big difference, and so can moisture-wicking clothing. The work AEP employees do is challenging, and conditions can change quickly. David's story is a reminder that health and safety are more important than production, which is why I'd like to thank him for sharing his story. Safety is something we talk about a lot at AEP, and it's something we'll talk about a lot on this podcast. If you want to hear more stories like this, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We post new episodes every other week. Thank you for listening and stay safe.